right, so welcome back to Pre-Med Possibilities. This is our part two with Dr. Philip Pearson. Um, so we left off with you talking about your C plus in physics and having to explain that to um, medical school uh, admissions people when you were having meetings with them um, and just kind of going through how you had done it at Princeton as an undergrad and just couldn't cope with it. And then moving forward, you explained kind of, look, this is what happened, but you can see I really did well in my chemistry and my bio at UVA. Um, so now just a few questions about your medical school experience and mm-hmm. how was that for you? Was it intimidating going in as I think you probably had a few extra years on some of the other students and what was that like for you? So, yeah, I mean, I, I went into, I went into the first year of med school uh, pretty uptight as, as most of us are, but <clears throat> somewhat confident I could get it all done. Um, and when I met people, I, I did sort of assume that I, that I'd be sort of the older guy since I had three, three years on all the undergrads that I felt like most people would be undergrads coming straight through. And immediately I was struck by what a mixed bag my uh, first year class was, which is to say plenty of people who did not go through from undergrad, um, a guy who had been in the military for nine years flying helicopters came to med school. A guy who had been in the Marines for five or six years had come to med school. A woman who was a single mother of two like little kids um, came into med school. And my best friend, Andrew, who was a biochemist for a couple of years and then went back to med school. So there were plenty of other people with really, really interesting backgrounds who did not come straight out of college. And that was cool to know that I was not the only one that was sort of like that. Um, and I made good friends with them, honestly, and, and honestly made good friends with um, many of the people who are straight out as undergrads as well. Um, but definitely a more mixed, a mixed, a more mixed group of people than I would have thought. And I think it's more and more that way now. Um, in terms of the work, you want to hear about the work in med school? Yeah, so I guess I feel <clears> like a lot of the times there's this you go through, you do the pre-med requirements, and then you go to medical school. And I think for a lot of undergraduates, there's kind of a foggy idea of what medical school is. Um, and I think, I'm sure that it's probably, it gets more specific if you know what you want to do, I guess, in terms of what your medical field is and going into medical school like that. So I guess, yeah, what was the experience like for you? Actually, it's interesting. There's there's really, I don't think there's too much elective in med school these days. <clears throat> when I went to UVA, it was the traditional um curriculum, I guess, which is where the first and second years are all classes, just sit down in a classroom and learn um, biochemistry and pharmacology and pathology and um, uh, all this stuff. So that was traditional. And then the third and fourth year was the rotations, excuse me, which is where you go up onto the floors of the hospital and interact with patients and learn on a clinical team. Um, I think a lot of curriculums have changed to being more progressive where um, for instance, they'll say, we're going to do a, a, a heart section. We're, we're going to learn all about the heart. We're going to learn book learning on cardiology, sit down in the classroom learning in cardiology, and then we're going to send you up into the floors to, to learn about cardiology. I think a lot of programs uh, switched to that like late 90s and 2000s. And I think it's still a controversy as to what is the most effective way to train kids in medical school. Um, but mine was the t- traditional the workload is high. <clears throat> the workload is very high. I feel like I worked a lot. I, I met some great people and had a good time, but but you are forced to keep up with a very fast pace of of classwork. 
Um, it does not light up. There's not a whole lot of electives. You don't really get to pick what you do until maybe fourth year. There's a couple little things you can pick fourth year. Um, and that's pretty much when you're already matched into something. Um, or you can you can choose a little bit as you go along third and fourth year, but right. a lot of requirements. Um, I will say the workload for me was more than anything I had seen before. Not that I wasn't expecting it, but it is hard when it starts to happen. And I will also say that I came the closest ever <laughs> to having a panic attack at the end of pharmacology when we had a final exam the next day on all of pharmacology. Yeah, I was going to say, what were our finals? That was a thing? Um, yeah, I mean, these are very traditional classes where study, study, study. At the end of the semester, you get a big test. Right. And there might have been quizzes in there. I can't really remember. But mm-hmm. um, big fat tests at the end of things. Yeah. Um, at the end of this pharmacology course, the teacher, the day before the exam, was piling on new information. <laughs> and I sat in my seat in the auditorium. I'm like almost had a panic attack because I was like, how do they expect us to keep all the old stuff from this whole semester in our brains? And then now he's just totally pouring out new stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I likened some of the courses I likened to, um, what do they say? Drinking from a fire hose. It's like, it's like an avalanche. It's like a waterfall of information. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it felt like sometimes, but honestly you get through it, you get through it, you work hard, you get through it. Everybody else in your class is doing the same thing. So right. not like you're the only one. Mm-hmm. And how are your rotations? Yeah, the clinical rotations for med students are very intimidating. They're they're exciting because like finally I'm out of the right. classroom. Oh my god, I can't wait. Real to world experience. Put on my little short white coat and yeah. get out there. How fun is that? Well, it's really fun. It's also super intimidating because every six to eight weeks, it's like it's like you have to live on a different planet mm-hmm. every six to eight weeks, and. The environment on that planet is different. The vibe on that planet is different. The personalities on that planet is different. Mm-hmm. The knowledge base that's required to survive on that planet is totally different than what you had to do two months ago. So on a surgical rotation, it might be eight weeks or 12 weeks. And you are like, wow, you got to learn all this clinical stuff about surgery. You're, you're rounding early in the morning. You're seeing surgical patients. You're in the operating room. If you're unlucky and you have a chief resident who likes to pimp you, they will just constantly ask you questions about physiology and anatomy and blood supplies to this, that, and the other. And, and you have all these sort of different study guides that you can use to keep yourself up to date on, you know, the surgical stuff that a med student has to know. But then once you're finished drinking all that information and eight weeks later or 12 weeks later, you move on to like internal medicine, bam. And then you've got two or three months of internal medicine and completely different, totally different knowledge base totally different vibe, totally different patient population. So every couple months, you're basically living on a different planet. It's really interesting. And you learn a lot, but it's, um, I guess it's almost disoriented because there's so much to know. I guess that's what it is. There's so much right. to know in medicine. Do you remember your first rotation and kind of how you felt going into it? I don't remember my first rotation, but I remember the first time I realized I didn't want to do internal medicine. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I said it before on the podcast, but I'm a surgeon. I'm a colorectal surgeon. But we were on an internal medicine rotation, and I was a med student. There's usually several med students per rotation. And you get up early, you go around, you see a bunch of patients. And and then we sat in a boardroom or a conference room. We started to talk about all the patients and sort of go through them. And the attending physician was, you know, trying to teach teach everyone every minute. And it was awesome. 
except one of the patients had diarrhea, like mm-hmm. really debilitating diarrhea. And I remember as we're sitting there around this board table talking about diarrhea, what are the what are the 10 different reasons you can have diarrhea? And let's go through each of those and let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. And it was this long, long teaching session about diarrhea. And I remember getting super antsy and being like, well, can't we just do something for the guy first? Like, let's let's go out there and order a medicine to help him and then come back and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Instead of like talking about it for two hours, I almost felt bad for the guy. I was like, that guy's out there having diarrhea and we're talking about him ad nauseum. But we're not. We're not doing anything. Right. Let's, let's go do something. And I think it was one of those moments was confirming for me. I think I already wanted knew I wanted to be a surgeon, but... At that moment, I was like, wow, I, re- I could never go into internal medicine because there's, it's just a different um, pace of action. Mm-hmm. And the action comes later and there's a lot of talking and thinking. Right. Um, and then for me, I was like, I'd rather just treat the guy, try something, then do a bunch of tests, figure out what's going on, and then go back to it. And just a different style of approaching patients. Right. So. And going in, so going into, I guess, your rotations or into medical school in general, did you have kind of were you looking to try and narrow down what you were interested in in terms of different parts of the body? I think, oddly enough, I knew I wanted to be a surgeon before med school because when I worked in a research lab, mm-hmm. uh, which we had talked about in part one, um, I got to work on rats. Uh, and some people may have a problem with working on animals, but uh, that is the way that a lot of medical science is advanced, quite frankly, is rats and mice and other little creatures, and it helps us immeasurably to learn. So I ended up doing experiments on rats on their skulls and trying to figure out how their skulls grow and and that would help kids with craniofacial um, deformities and doing something with my hands I realized at the end of a long day in the rat lab uh, at UVA doing research was really satisfying because I had I had done like I don't know let's say 10 rats a certain little operation they taught me to do a little miniature operation on their skull to get the experiment started and at the end of the day, I had 10 little rats with little stitchings in their heads and they were alive and well and drinking their water. And I thought, that's cool. I just actually did something like for an experiment, mind you, with rats. But I did something with my hands and I really felt so satisfied at the end of that day. I was like, that is cool. Doing stuff with your hands is really neat. You have to sort of get good at it and learning the little tricks. Right. Of how do I how do I knock the rats out more efficiently and get them asleep? And how do I do my little operation more and more efficiently and just have it go just right. It's like making pancakes for me. Mm. I make pancakes for my family a lot and I just do it again and again and again and again and again. And there's something interesting in repetition where you just, you get like a perfection and a flow and you just know how to do it. Right. And you can almost tweak it and make it a little bit better every time. And for me, that's kind of what surgery is like. It's like Part of it is doing the same thing over and over and over and doing it with your hands and just getting technically proficient and excellent at that thing, that one thing or that set of things. Mm -hmm. And then as you go along, you can sort of tweak it and get little tiny things better, little tiny things more efficient. So at the end of a long day of working with rats, before med school, I was like, I probably should be a surgeon because this is fun. Mm -hmm. So going into med school, I was sort of focused on that aspect of things. And I already sort of had a mentor. I was a pediatric surgeon there. I thought I literally was going to be a pediatric surgeon before I even started med school. Um, And that's another thing I could tell people out there in the pre-med land, which is it's never too early to reach out to a physician for help and guidance. And they're usually 
more than happy to say, oh yeah, you know, what are you interested? Let me help you, or let me show you what I do. And this really nice pediatric surgeon at, um, at UVA, his name is Brad Rogers. He was so nice to me. I was a pre-med student and he like let me stand in his OR and watch what he did before I even started med school. It was super cool, but that was the value of, I don't know how I got his name, but I reached out to this guy and he was so nice to me. Um, so mentors can make a huge difference too as you go through and not the ones that are assigned to you in med school. I'm sure they have advisors and all kinds of people they assign to you, but at any time you can reach out to any physician you want and say, hey, I'm really interested in what you do. Can you show me? Can you teach me? And people will be happy to show you what their life is like. Yeah. So you had kind of a really interesting medical school experience where you got more of an idea of what you wanted to do with your life and what you wanted to go into. And then what was the next step for you? So then after med school, you got a match. You have to, you actually have to find, I would say a job, but it's more like an apprenticeship. It's an interesting educational system that we have in medicine where it takes a lot of work to get into med school takes a ton of work to get through med school and then once you're finished med school you still need to learn a ton more in a special area mm-hmm. in order to get a job and actually do your job as a doctor so so the next step after medicine medicine sorry uh, medical school is residency obviously and that's where you really have to kind of decide what direction you're going mm-hmm. um, thank goodness there's there's kind of room in medicine for all types of people from pathologists who really never see a patient or radiologists who sit, honestly, in a dark room looking at x-rays and doing some miniature procedures for some x-rays, but a lot of looking at things, to internal medicine or family practice where you, it's all day long, it's just people, people, people in your office. Mm-hmm. So there's a wide spectrum of opportunities within medicine, so you have to decide where you're going, and then you have to decide on a residency, uh, and you try to match in a residency. Somewhere between your third and fourth year, you start dealing with that. And then at a certain point in your fourth year, it's the match, which is an oddly artificial computer-aided way to get every single fourth-year medical student across the country in a place that they basically are interested in being in, in their specialty of choice. And how did you go about trying to find what residencies you were interested in between your third and fourth year? So I knew I wanted to be a surgeon, and so... You start thinking, you know, what are some good surgical residencies? And then you look at your grades and you start thinking, what residency could I get into? Like I probably, with my grades, which were basically B's in medical school at UVA, I probably wasn't going to be able to match into like Harvard's surgical program Mm -hmm. or Johns Hopkins surgical program or something like that. Um, So you look at your grades and you look yourself yourself in the mirror and say, what do I want? And what's a likely match for me? and at a certain point, you just start interviewing. I think you you reach out. For, I honestly forget how that process works, but you reach out and start interviewing in places. And back in those days, you would get on a plane and go out, sometimes with friends, sometimes not, and, and do a whole day of an interview at Cleveland or uh, Ohio State or I forget where else I interviewed, all kinds of places. And, um, and you interview and then come back and then you rank the places that you're interested in in the computer system and you send it in to computer central in the cloud Mm -hmm. and then you wait a couple months and the computer does all of its calculations because you're ranking the programs and the programs are ranking you they've interviewed like 50 to 100 people and they probably have five spots or six spots depending on what the place is and so at the end of the thing it spits out the result 
into the match and there's match day and you open up your envelope and you find out where you're going for, for the next three to five to seven years, mm -hmm. which is really a crazy day. That is a super, super unique kind of nutty fact of med school is there's this day where the computer tells you universally you, across all med schools. Every residency has a match. I don't, I mean, it, very, very few people can work their way into something quote unquote outside the match. Mm -hmm. But 99% of people, you go through the match and it's literally you open an envelope and that's where you're going to be, which is a crazy, crazy day. Mm -hmm. Stressful day. What was your experience? And then I headed in that. Maggie knows my story. I thought I was rambling on too much, but no. I guess I'll keep rambling. So my match story is a really interesting story. Um, I did not match. Match day is a Wednesday. It probably still is. The Monday before match day is called Black Monday. Or at least it was in 1997. I bet it still is. Black Why Monday. would they change it? Yeah, keep it the same. So Black Monday is the day when the dean of students or someone high up in your medical school will contact you if you have not matched. Because they find out, hey, this Pearson kid, nice kid, but... The, great kid, the bad great news. Kids, bad news for the good kid. Yeah, the computer had no home for me. Mm -hmm. So in other words, I didn't rank, so I didn't match. And on Black Monday... My dean of students, who oddly enough, his last name is Pearson, Dean Pearson, not related, called me and said, Philip, I want you to come to my office. I have to talk to you about something. And everybody knew that that was Black Monday. And everybody knew that if you got a call from Dean Pearson, it meant you didn't match. And he and I were kind of friends. And I thought he was joking. Mm -hmm. Like, I really, really thought he was joking. Yeah. And I was like, come on, stop pranking me. Mm -hmm. Don't give me a hard time. I'm busy. I gotta, I'm on my rotation. And then he said, no, you really have to come talk to me. And I laughed again and said, stop it. This is really scaring me. He said, Philip, you got to come to my office. We have to talk. So the pit grew in my stomach. I went to Dean Pearson's office and sat in, across from his big desk. And he said, Philip, you didn't match. And I like, you know, almost passed out. Because I interviewed at six, seven, eight different places. Thousands of miles of flying. Thousands of dollars of travel and hotels and a lot of stress and... You just want to find a home. You just yeah. want someone to want, want you. you. Yeah. And nobody that I had ranked, you know, my top seven or eight or nine or ten, none of them ranked me. And it was really weird. So, um, so, so then, then on Monday evening and Tuesday, that is called scramble. I bet that's still called scramble <laughs> too because it feels like you're scrambling. Mm -hmm. You probably are scrambling. You basically had months and months and months and a year to prepare for the match and do all the work needed for the match. And then you have two days to try to correct whatever went wrong and to try to find a home. And you're scrambling because you want a home. And actually, there are a couple of programs out there that didn't fill. So surgical programs that say let's say they had six openings and they only matched five people so they have an opening so i wanted to be a surgical resident so that's called a categorical surgical spot i wanted a categorical surgical spot mm -hmm. and i learned on tuesday morning that there were only two openings for a categorical surgical spot in the whole in country. the united states of america so one was in west virginia and one was actually at a place called Allegheny University right here in Philadelphia. 
And oddly enough, it was a place, being honest, that I had interviewed. Um, I didn't really like it that much. I didn't think it was a great program. It was supposed to be up and coming, but it didn't have a lot of history to it. And the hospitals were a little scraggly. One was called MCP in the suburbs of Philly, and one was called Hahnemann Hospital in downtown Philly. Mm -hmm. Just not the greatest places, being honest. Um, Busy, but not the greatest places. So I did not rank them. I did not list them on my list. But they had an opening. And I ended up calling. You call around, and I called the program director there. And I was like, Philip Pearson, I didn't match. Do you still have an opening? And the program director says, yeah, yeah, we had an op- we have an opening. It's funny because you interviewed with us. And I just don't know how that happened. I don't know how we missed. And it's funny. I, I don't think I ever told the guy I didn't rank you guys. Yeah. Because I didn't like your program. Right. Um, and then, of course, after I didn't match, didn't have a home, and found out that nobody else wanted me, mm-hmm. the fact that they wanted me was, had wanted me was huge. And yeah. so they immediately snapped me up because they had wanted me. Um, and I accepted my match to them. And then on match day, do you, Wednesday. You, so it was Monday. Monday, Black didn't Monday. Get didn't get it. And you got accepted. So Tuesday was like, they basically give you an office in the Dean of Students area. Right. And a phone. Mm-hmm. And like a notebook. Go nuts. And a computer. And they're like, here, we'll help you. And there are people, there's like, I think someone was there to help me. Yep. I think someone was making calls behind me and I was making phone calls. In my particular case, it didn't take much because I knew they had a spot, this Allegheny place. And weirdly enough, they had wanted me, but I had not ranked them. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty easy for me to get one of the last two spots in the United States of America for a categorical surgical residency. Yeah. And by the way, if that had not happened, yep. I would have had to try to find a preliminary spot. I believe they still do that, but a preliminary spot, which means, hey... You know, we're Johns Hopkins. We need eight interns because it's a super big, busy place. But we can't guarantee that all eight are going to make it all the way through. Mm-hmm. You know, you two guys are, are uh, what did I just say? Not categorical. Preliminary. Preliminary. You guys are prelims. You're preliminary interns. And that means, hey, I've got a job for a year. And it might pan out and I could keep going on. I might, might not pan out. I might mm-hmm. have to move after that. Either that or change specialties. Like maybe I literally was like, maybe I should be an anesthesiologist Mm -hmm. after like four years of thinking I'm being a surgeon. When I didn't match, like my life fast flashed before my eyes. And I said, maybe, maybe I'm going to be an anesthesiologist. Maybe Mm -hmm. I should change. Not that it's easy to match into that, but I had a thought. So Tuesday, I make a bunch of phone calls in an office in the Dean of Students area. And I make a verbal agreement to go to MCP. And then Wednesday is match day, and the whole fourth-year class gathers in this big auditorium, and everyone's nervous as hell because they don't know where they're going. Except you did. I know where I'm going because yeah. I'm going to Hahnemann MCP slash mm-hmm. Allegheny, and all my best friends, I, I, I'm with my all my best friends as they open their envelopes and find out where they're going, and my friend Andrew goes to Rochester, and my friend Lewis actually stayed at UVA, which was awesome for him. Um, you know, it was amazing times, really amazing times, and very interesting. So I did not match. And that was really hard. And I had to really, I'd like to say I really had to scramble hard and work hard, but luckily there was that weird thing where this one hospital actually did already want me. Right. And I had not wanted them. So interesting couple of days in my life, obviously memorable. And I hope nothing like that happens to me again or you again. Yeah. But it was pretty brutal. So that, that moment was probably in your journey to becoming a surgeon. Was that, would you say the hardest moment to deal with? 
Yeah, that was um that was interesting. That's a good question. Um when I started the journey, when I had the lightning bolt from out of the blue when I was working on Wall Street, that was like the biggest moment yeah. and the weirdest moment, which was like, oh my god, I'm changing my whole life. I want to do a 180. I'm going to go from Wall Street. Oh my god, I have to go back and take classes? What? Yeah. I already have a job. What do you mean I have to take classes? So this huge sort of turnover in my life to go back into medicine was the biggest moment. And then that moment in the dean's office in the next two days was probably the most difficult moment um, because it literally was like, yeah, nobody wants you. Right. Pretty much nobody wants you. And how did you, I mean, obviously you found that there was the Allegheny University that did want you, but initially when you heard that from Dean Pearson, what was that like for you? Yes. It was like, what have I, what have I been doing? Or, or also like, was I fooling myself that I thought I could get into a quote unquote good surgical residency? The self doubt. Cause there is, you know, just like everything in life, there's Honestly, there's really good universities and colleges and there's medium ones and there's not so high-end colleges and universities. Mm -hmm. So for surgical residencies, there's tippy-top amazing ones like Cleveland Clinic and Harvard and Johns Hopkins and MD Anderson in Texas and all these super famous places where like the best medical students who want to be surgeons are like, I would kill to go to Harvard. Mm -hmm. And hopefully those guys... All got straight A's and did research or something in med school. I didn't do any research in med school, but um, it's kind of hard to. You're working too hard. Yeah. Don't even don't even open that can of worms. I would not recommend doing research in med school. It's, there's no time. <laughs> but there's the kids that are just the gunners, the straight A's, and they they do go to Harvard and they do go to Johns Hopkins. And I was just hoping for a good place. Yeah. And then, cause I'm a solid B student in med stu- med school, and sure enough, the solid B guy, no, nah, the good places didn't want. I'm like, wow wow, I was fooling myself to think that I was even good. Maybe I'm not that good. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not that good. Um, that was hard. And it was hard even after I matched because I was like, I felt like a castaway. Yeah. Like I matched, I got a job, but nobody I wanted really wanted me. Mm-hmm. So this is just the last question before, I think we might have to wrap this up, but going into Allegheny University, how did you get, how did you deal with that mentality of feeling like a castaway? How did you kind of, did you try and shake it off? What, did it stay with you for a few years? Did you try and work through it? What was that like? You know what? Um, that's a great question. It did not stay with me very long. It really didn't. I probably felt it through the last part of my fourth year. Um, and then it's like anything, you just get used to it. And you're like, well, it's a job. It's a residency program. It turns out the, the chairman was a great guy, like a really well, well-respected up-and-coming guy. He was trying to change the place around. They were trying to like move this place forward. And I was like, all right, well, I'm part of a, I'm part of a crew that's going to up the ante at this place and raise the bar at this place. And yeah. that's good. Um, so I got used to it pretty quickly. I also, it was interesting. I was basically moving back to my hometown, which was also not bad, honestly. I had been looking forward to kind of exploring a different place in the world <laughs> other than Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where I'd spent my entire life mm-hmm. other than one year in Manhattan and six years, uh, six years in um, Charlottesville, mm-hmm. like maybe explore a different town. And no, you're going back to your hometown. But it was good. I got to see my mom. Um, 
and see a couple of my brothers. And it was, it was nice to be in the hometown. Yeah. So I got used to it. Didn't carry it with me. It wasn't a huge weight that carried with me um, through my residency. And I just kind of moved on. Yeah. And yeah. clearly this has been a very successful path for you after all these years. What, 16 years? 16 years in practice. There was definitely, a, there was even a swerve in the middle of residency. I ended up changing residencies in the middle. Because mm-hmm. um, Allegheny went bankrupt. But that's another long story. But I landed on my feet in another place in Philadelphia. And then did a great um, fellowship in colorectal surgeon, which, surgery, which is a one-year deal in Minnesota. And then moved back home and took a great job, which I still have now. So... Overall, the path, the path was fairly circuitous. Like there's there's twists and turns that you can never see coming. Right. For sure, <laughs> at all. But honestly, you just keep just keep walking forward, and and uh, things ended up working out very well. Yeah, I guess this is probably gonna be this is the last question, but I think for any possible pre med or pre med students out there, if you thought about your whole journey you know all the ups and downs all the experiences is there one thing you wish if you could go back in time and tell your younger self kind of what would it be um it seems that's a great question it seems kind of hokey but like um I remember hearing once somebody saying like it's not it's not about the destination it's about the journey Mm -hmm. it's like oh that is such a crap thing to say (laughs) like please don't tell me that like my goal is to be a doctor. Of course, it's the That's destination. The end, yeah. My goal is to be a surgeon. That's the destination I'm going for. And I guess my words of advice would be, okay, you have to have a dream. You have to have a goal. You have to have a destination. We all do. That's what drives you. Honestly, that's the thing that makes you study until midnight or two in the morning. In college, in med school, in anything, is because you want to get somewhere. You want to get an end result. So that helps drive your process of working hard. Um, but I would say the counterpoint to that is, if you are so focused on your destination, I mean, medicine is a long road. That That's really what it is. Medicine is a long road to get there, yep. per se. Um, that specifically for medicine, if you are so focused on the destination for medicine, that's a lot of years of like, oh, I'm just suffering through pre-med to get right. to be a surgeon. Oh, now I'm suffering through med school to get to be a surgeon. Oh, now I'm suffering through a crappy match or a long residency to get to be a surgeon. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be suffering through all that stuff. You want to be like kind of living it, kind of experiencing it, being in the moment. Oh, I sound like a Buddhist monk or something, but like (laughs) you got to live in the moment and you have to have your dream that drives you. But from talking to me, like, yeah, it's a long journey with a bunch of twists and turns and you, you end up in places you didn't expect to be. Mm -hmm. And again, there were more twists and turns we didn't even talk about, but like, you just keep on walking and just keep on living day to day and knowing that, okay, you have that dream that's pulling you forward, but you're living in the day to day, which is good. It was like interesting and exciting to go to med school. It was interesting to take pre-med courses with freshmen when I was like 22. Um, it was a big life change to move from one residency to another, but kind of exciting and all part of the journey and just keep, keep walking forward and Keep being flexible to the twists and turns in the road. Um, and eventually you'll get where you thought you were going. And oddly enough, you might end up in a different place. And that's possibly okay too. At some point in my meeting with Dean Pearson, that crucial moment I did not match. What if I had somehow gone into anesthesia? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I never really thought about that. But that could have taken my life in a totally different direction. And 
that probably would have worked out okay too. Because mm-hmm. I would have looked back in that moment as an anesthesiologist 16 years later going, isn't that interesting how me not matching in surgery turned me into a really happy anesthesiologist? Mm-hmm. Like, you kind of you, you kind of take like life you k- take what life gives you and you gotta gotta use it. So. Right. Awesome, Dr. Philip Pearson. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right.